And welcome everybody, happy Sunday. Pastor Nate here with the fam. And I see some people on the couch in the ranch, good to see you. And let's start off in prayer this morning. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful winter day. And we pray that you would bless us this morning as we set aside a portion of our week to come before you and to worship and spend time in the word. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So I hope everybody's doing well. Welcome to everybody joining by Zoom. Uh, welcome to everybody live streaming. Hi to those in the basement. Hi to those on this couch. Hi to the one on that couch way over there. Kaylee, who hasn't been feeling well this week. Uh, actually, let's pray for Kaylee to feel better. Father God, we bless Kaylee and that headache especially command that to leave in Jesus' name and for her to be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. And we'll pray for anybody else who is sick as well. Uh, be healed in Jesus' name. Just a couple quick announcements. Um, if you are joining in person in the basement, remember to get a mask on. And giving uh, can be done in person if you're there, otherwise online um, on the website, lydiahousechurch.org. There are links to give via PayPal, and we appreciate that. And we'll be uh, giving a financial update, uh, State of the Union sort of thing, um, in a few weeks as soon as we finish getting our ducks in a row. I have been putting ducks in rows this week. So um, that's what I've been up to. And also, just keep in mind to mute yourself if you're on Zoom and don't want to be heard. And let's pray again i want to pray as we have been the last few weeks for our country and everything that's been going on in the last few weeks i feel like continually going back to the lord in prayer is a good thing and also when we gather together and pray that that has an effect that's a powerful thing jesus said anytime two or three gather in his name that he's there in our midst and he also said that if two or more of you agree on anything in my name i will do it so let's pray and agree together. Amen. Father God, we pray for our country and for the turmoil and disarray that's been going on the last couple months, few months. We pray for unity. We pray that you would help us to, um, I guess you could say, lower the temperature on the rhetoric in the country and to look to you rather than looking to politics and governments and all those other things. We look to you, Father God. You are our Lord, and you are the only one that we worship. You are the only one that we put our hope in and that we put our trust in. We thank you for that. And we do pray for good government, Lord, as your word commands us to, and we pray for our leaders as your word commands us to. We pray that you would bless them, that you would lead them into truth, that you would bring Christian counsel into the different state capitals, into Washington, and into other places that need, where leaders need to hear from you and be influenced by the Holy Spirit and not the spirit of this age or any other spirit that might try to influence them. And we pray that we could live peaceably with one another. Lord, we thank you that we are in America where we can do that. And we pray that that would continue. And we think of those countries where they can't gather together in peace. 
And we think of places where even if it might be legal, it's very, very difficult. Sometimes in Uganda, they have a hard time gathering together because people in opposition of them rise up and cause problems and persecutions. And so we pray for the people in Uganda. We pray for people all over the world who are experiencing those persecutions and that kind of suffering, Father God. We pray that you would bless them and honor them and protect them in that. And we thank you, Lord, that we aren't going through that here in America, but we want to continue to be aware of those who are and bring and lift them up in prayer, Father God, and to continue to thank you for what it is that we do have here. And we pray that you would bless us now in this service as we devote some time to you. And let's take a second. If there's anything on our hearts and minds that is weighing us down or distracting us, let's just set those aside. I like to picture myself sticking them under my chair or something like that for a while. And take a deep breath if you need to. If it's been a tough week or it's been difficult, let's empty our mind and our heart from those things just for the next hour or so as we lift them up to the Lord. And let's take a moment to confess any sins that we have committed over the past week that we haven't uh, confessed. Anything that we've done that we shouldn't have or anything that we've left undone. Let's take a moment to confess that silently before the Lord. We receive your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we want to worship you now with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So please help us to be able to do that. And I'll turn it over to Paul and Karen in the ranch to take us on into worship. Good morning, brothers Good morning. and sisters. Morning. Nice morning. to be with you here and there and everywhere. And you'll see in the songs a, strain, a certain strain in the words. Uh, they deal with the issue of suffering, because I'm going to be talking about suffering. And so our first song uh, speaks of sorrow like sea billows roll, and yet it is well with my soul. Together, when, when peace is like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast Should buff 
I don't know why it didn't, because it's got great words and great music, but it didn't last as long as it should have. It's a beautiful song. I think you remember it. We sang it a few years ago, but uh, it didn't seem to stick around like some of the other songs. But listen to this. Sing it with me. Hide me now under your wings. Cover me. Cover in your mighty hand when the ocean rise and thunders roar i will soar with you above the storm father you are king over the flood yes i will be still and know you Find rest 
because of the second verse especially but both verses are good what a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and grace to bear what a privilege to carry everything to God Often forfeits, and oh, what makes the pain we bear? All because we do not care. Everything, everything to God in prayer. Okay, have we trials and temptations? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Both, both. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We can do this. We should never be discouraged. It's possible. Yes, we can. I don't know if I've ever led this next song, but it's a beautiful song in a minor key. I know I haven't. I know I haven't. Yeah. You are my hiding place. You are. 
with songs of deliverance. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. Let the weak say I am strong in the strength of the trust in you I will trust in you I will I am strong it's hard for us to say it's true strength of the Lord I will trust in keep the song going just keep singing we will trust in you, Lord. We will give you our needs. trust in you because we depend on your word which is true we look to you because you are faithful you are the one on the throne thank you we do trust in you seated for a moment. I want to share something. And then we'll sing the last one. Someone I know very well who's a gifted person led many people to the Lord. He said, Paul, what you're speaking is gibberish. It's nonsense and it's gibberish because I, was, uh, I spoke in tongues. And uh, I want to give you two stories about speaking in tongues. I don't know if I've shared it with you before. If I have, I'm sharing it with you again. Yeah. And if I haven't, well, I know that you all haven't heard it. But uh, what I'm speaking is not gibberish. When I speak in tongues or when I sing in tongues. Turn on your mic. Oh, that's good idea. Sorry. There. Oh, the green light just went on. <laughs> That's my clue. So I, I used to think that speaking in tongues was strange. I was in high school. 
But then I was at a camp, and somehow God changed my heart, and I wanted what God had to give me. And so we gathered. Uh, it was late at night, and the adults had already gone to bed, and I, I said, I'd really like you to pray. Well, let's pray tomorrow. I said, could you pray with me tonight? He said, okay. I gathered up kids. We got 20 together. And he prayed. He went around the circle and prayed for us. And when he prayed for me, I knew if I opened my mouth, I'd speak in tongues. And I did. And, and uh, God gave me that language. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. It was a gift. That's what it's called, the spiritual gifts. So there had been two times when I was spoken, and I was spoken a language. And I'll tell you why I know that. I don't know if there's a language when I'm speaking now as I was singing. Karen was singing too. We sometimes do that when we pray around here. It's a gift to be used. It builds us up. The Bible says he that speaking in the tongue edifies himself. Are you kidding me? I can do this anytime and I'm being built up. That's pretty wonderful. This isn't a sermon, by the way. No, we still have one more song. Uh, I, yeah, we still have another song. So one time, I was speaking in tongues in Norway. I was, uh, I'd give them a, 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 a message, and then I said, now you discuss it among yourself, and they would do it in Norwegian. And while they were doing that, I was going, just walking back and forth. I'd spoken about Joseph of Arimathea and how he was bold to take the body of Jesus, and that we needed to be bold. I met a guy yesterday. He was from uh, Eastern Europe. Can't remember exactly where, but he was from Eastern Europe. He got up to the mic, and he said, just so you know, Paul was speaking my language, and he told us to be bold. <laughs> now, that doesn't say anything about me, because I don't know the language. I can't remember what it was. But that was God who did that to encourage him and to encourage them that it's real. The second time was more recent when I was on a trip to uh, Sioux City, Iowa, to preach at a friend's church. And I was praying with the Loatian pastor. And I took his hands because I felt like he had the gift of, of uh, healing. Gift of healing, yeah. And so I, I took his hands and I prayed in tongues. He stopped me and he said, you are praying that I'll have get hands in my language in Loatian, which gave me such encouragement that I was speaking his language. When I went down the next time, I said, how has it gone with healing? And he said, seven people. <laughs> so it was very encouraging to him, and it was very encouraging to me. I'm saying that it says nothing about me, because I had no idea. I didn't know those languages. But I'm saying that it's a gift that we uh, want to use, and there are times when you'll use it when you're speaking an actual language. Because Paul says, I will speak with my tongue, and I'll speak with my and we, we don't know. It, it's a heavenly language or an earthly language. So, okay. Let's sing that last one, His Eyes on the Sparrow. I never led this one either, but it, I wanted to get songs that talked about discouragement and struggle. 
because we're talking about suffering today. My mother loves this, and I heard it all my life. Well, she probably she sang it as a solo, it. didn't she? Yes, she did. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows call? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. So I sing because I'm happy, and I sing because I'm free. Okay, what do we do? Let not your hearts be troubled. His tender words I hear. And resting on his goodness, I lose my doubt and fear. Though by the path he leadeth, that one step I may see. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Okay, and I sing because I'm happy, and I sing. Because I'm free, for his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Great song, good words. I feel like we should be ice skating when we're singing. <laughs> <laughs> Song. It's We've, a beautiful song. We've heard a lot yes. of wonderful renditions of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Lord, though, I think he loved hearing us sing it. I mean, all of us. We're his kids. We were just trying to praise his name. We did <laughs> definitely not have perfection. Hello to you who are here, and hello to you who are there. Either you are here or you are there. You have to be one or the other. If you're not there, you must be here, but you're either here or there. No one's nowhere. Well, I don't think that's either here or there. 
<laughs> okay, welcome to everybody. Evangelina, hello. Good morning. Naomi got her first. I brought with me some crosses, and I'll tell you why in a moment. But I said, I'm going to go get the crosses that are in my study, and I'm going to bring them down. And I had no idea how many I had in there. So I just grabbed them and brought them down. How many do you think I had? How many? Crosses, different kinds of crosses. Twelve. Okay. That's a good number. Yeah, that, that, that's a good number. I'll, I'll see how many I have. One, two, three, four, five, six, I had eight. Oh, whoa, okay. Okay. Oh, but I have two that I couldn't get out because they were, they were pounded in. No, oh, yeah, we have more in other rooms. <laughs> well, okay, well, then we I want, right. I want to make a point. For us, they're beautiful. They would never have thought about making it in a jewelry at the time because it was a Roman form of torture. The Romans, as Nate could tell you better than I could tell you, thought of ways of torturing their enemies. And when Jesus said, he began to talk to them that the Son of Man must be betrayed, given into the hands of the Gentiles, and they will beat him, and they will smite him, and they will crucify him. They were shocked, because that wasn't their form of killing. What did they use? What did the Jews, what did the Jews do? Stoning. Stoning. So, when they, when they uh, heard that he talked about crucifixion, they knew it was a cross. And that was, a, they, that was gruesome. It wasn't something they'd put on their wall and, and celebrate. Now, so I'm saying that I'm not against having crosses, obviously. I've got them in my office. I hope they remind me of what Jesus went through. The, sh the awful shame. I'm talking this morning about suffering. And some people are saying that we could be going into more suffering. I don't know if that's the case. I think it might be. There, certainly, certainly at some point in the future we will. Before it gets better, it'll get worse. The Bible says, ultimately, the end times will be very bad. And the Lord will come to, to deliver before it gets so bad that no one will survive. We know about the American dream. The American dream doesn't include suffering. If it did, it would be the American nightmare. We want the American dream. We want the pleasure we don't want the pain. But I want to share some things with you about pain today. 
and I'm going to do it by, by drawing your attention to the three, three heaviest hitters in the New Testament. First, I want to tell you a story about something that happened to me at Trinity Lutheran Church while I was pastor. We were taking in new members, and they would come up to the altar and kneel at the altar, and then I would pray over them. I prayed over them the same prayer. It was in our Lutheran liturgy. Uh, pray, I'd pray for them for, in, among other things, endurance through suffering. And I came to a lady who was brought, coming in. I didn't know her well, but I knew she was from a name-it-and-claim-it environment. And uh, that is a, uh, what I call ultra-Pentecostal charismatic, ultra. And uh, I was delighted that she was coming in. And when I got to her, she looked up at me, and she said, don't say that prayer over me. And so I didn't. I just took my hands off and went to the next person. They didn't stay long at Trinity. I'm not sure why, but that may have been the reason why. It's because we had a theology of suffering, and that was a part of what we taught because it's in the, in the scripture. If you look at what Paul finished with, does anybody know one of the last books that Paul wrote? There it is. You got it, Paul. Second Timothy. Let's give him a hand. He got that quick. And we, we have a clue to that because he says, the time of my departure has come. You remember? And then he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What do you think he talked to Timothy about? What do you think was common in his letter? I'll tell you. It was suffering. He says in the first chapter, and this is to his son. He wants to give him help so he can really do well as a pastor. And he says in the first chapter, share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Wait a minute. Is that encouraging? Is he trying to encourage his son in the faith who we call my beloved child? Then Paul says, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. He was called to preach, and this is why I suffer. Then in chapter 2, he says it again, verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. My concern is that we may be so enamored by civilian pursuits that we may not know how to suffer. Then he goes on to say, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. When, pastor, when friends die, we like to say kind words about them, right? What, did we, what kind words did they say about Jesus when he died? They didn't, because he didn't have a funeral. He almost didn't have a burial. What about Paul? They didn't. He was executed. What about Peter? They didn't. He was executed. They had no funeral, no time for kind words. They didn't, didn't have any retirement dinner. They suffered 
to the end. Paul says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Then in chapter 3, he says, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Are we there? I don't know. But in the last days come times of difficulty. And then he says, this is all in 2 Timothy. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and sufferings. Indeed, all who desire, that, that word all in the Greek means all, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. He's not done yet. Chapter 4, every, every chapter, this is his last letter. This is the mature Paul. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So when that lady said, don't say that prayer over me, she was expecting that suffering is not the part of the American dream or even the Christian dream. That to really be doing good, you won't suffer. But if you start suffering, maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've taken a wrong turn. Well, maybe you took the right turn. And that God is allowing you to suffer. So we're going to look at what do, you, what, what do you see in her theology? What, what kind of theology did she have? What would you call it? That's what I'm wondering. Prosperity, glory. The word glory appears a lot in Paul's letters. Or in, Timoth- in, in Peter, it's a lot. Every time it's used, it's preceded by suffering. Suffering leads to glory. So let's look at the three people. We're going to look at Jesus, and then we're going to look at Paul, and we're looking at Peter. Now, the purpose of this is not to depress you. It's to prepare you. Like the grandfather said to his grandchild, and I've quoted this more than any other text, any other uh, quote, what is it? Life wouldn't be so hard if you didn't expect it to be so easy. Once we realize that life is hard, it just got easier. Once we realize that marriage is hard, it just got easier. I've married a lot of people, married a lot of young people. They come and they sit on the couch, and uh, I, I try to tell them, you know, it's not always going to be easy. They don't believe me. Not us. We're so much in love that it's going to be so wonderful and we're not going to have glitches. That's what they don't say it out loud, but I know what they're saying. And I try to talk to them and they're not listening because they're in love. And it's just going to be so wonderful. Uh, we're different. We, have, we usually have a thousand mile checkups three months in. They come in and... Uh, Sometimes their eyes are a little glazed and, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and uh, he wants to say all she makes is peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and he wants to say all she does is watch TV and uh, now reality is set in and it's easier to connect. 
because now they realize that they're, they're, they really are married, and it's harder than they thought it was going to be, and it's glorious, but there's, there's difficulties. It includes suffering. So we're going to look at Jesus. We think of Jesus, we think of the cross where he suffered for us, but it didn't start there, did it? He was despised and rejected by men. A keeps man of sorrows with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had, now it goes to the cross. But his whole life, imagine this 10-year-old boy who wouldn't do what they would do. Can you imagine how much, how much ridicule he experienced? Throughout his life, he was a recheck. He was the stone rejected. He was rejected all his life. He suffered all his life. In fact, it says in Hebrews 5.8 that he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And he suffered as a child. He suffered as a boy. He suffered as a teenager. He suffered as a young adult. He suffered when he started his ministry. He suffered all his life. The cross is the pinnacle of his suffering. But it didn't start there. It was through his life. In the wilderness, that was a struggle. 40 years of fasting, and then the, the struggle as he was offered something. Days. Pardon? Days. He said 40 years. 40 days, sorry. He was offered something that, that appealed to him in the flesh. And it wasn't easy. It, it, was, a, it was a real struggle. He struggled because of Judas betraying him. It was a struggle. It was hard for him. He struggled. James and John, they didn't quite get it. They said, hey, we'd like to do a, fa a favor for us. What did they say? What did they want? And you know what he said? What did he say? Could you pay for those tickets? Could you pay for those seats? Do you know what that would cost you? The baptism of suffering? Do you know what that would cost? And they said, naively, yeah. <laughs> and he said, okay, you'll pay for them. James was martyred. John was exiled. Their end was not fun and happy. They paid. And he said, oh, but... I can't give you those seats. That's up to the Father. But they paid anyway for the seats. So did Jesus ever try to go out and get followers? Did he say, hey, it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. Follow me because we got a good thing going here. He did just the opposite. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him Deny himself, take up his. When he said cross, they grimaced. They cross. There's only one thing they knew of when they when they heard the word cross. Terrible, terrible Roman Gentile persecution. And Jesus is saying, "Come after me. It's going to be fun." No. It's going to be very difficult. Wasn't that kind of Jesus 
not to, not to just give us this come on, not to say, hey, it's going to be nice. You're going to have a good time. He said, you are going to die if you follow me. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. What would it take to sweat blood? I don't know what kind of pressure it would take to sweat drops of blood. When he was in the garden, he, he was so vulnerable, he asked the Father if there was another way. Talk about vulnerability. Still close, so close. And he was just asking, nevertheless not. So he was yielded to the Lord. But it was, he was taking the sins of the world upon him. And as he considered this, he just sweat blood. There was such sorrow, such suffering, such pain. Do you know what, when Peter heard him start talking about it, do you know what he did? When Peter heard him talking about the cross, he took him and brought him aside. It, it, it means that he took him aside. Peter said, this will never happen to you. Because Peter didn't want to follow a leader for whom that was going to happen to. Because then he, that might implicate him. And so he, it, he never did that again. <laughs> he only made that mistake once. Because he got the sternest, toughest rebuke. Because that, that was the, that was the uh, offering that Satan gave to Jesus. You don't have to suffer. You can just have glory. You can just have people worshiping you. And that was real. In Jesus. And so he rebuked Peter. Peter hadn't, didn't get it then. But when he got it, he got it so much. And we'll talk about this in a minute. That he talks about suffering more than anyone else. So let's look at, look at Paul. That was, that was Jesus. Now we'll look at Paul. Does he have, have anything to say about suffering? A lot. He talked a great deal about suffering. It was written into his contract. When God spoke in a vision to Ananias, who was supposed to go pray for Paul, and he was not, he had heard about this, this Saul, and he didn't want to go pray over him, but he said, I will show him how much he will suffer. So it was written right into the Original game plan for Paul. Do you know how many times he was beaten? He says countless. He didn't have a number when he was describing how many times he'd been beaten. If I'd been beaten once, I'd probably tell you about it so you know I've been beaten up. But he, he was beaten up so many times that he, he couldn't even count. Five times he had the 40 minus one. Five times. So his back was full of, full of open scars. Here is the apostle that was more apostolic than anyone who had ever lived. How did he talk about it? I'm going to meet on Thursday and talk to them about suffering. And there are a group of 20 leaders that are gathering together. And I told the guy who was gathering... If you, I talk, I'm talking about suffering. 
Because to be an apostle is not to be at the top of the rung. It's to be the lowest of the low. He said, I'm last of all. I'm the scum of the earth. I'm the off-scouring. That's what I am. That was his mark of apostleship. And you know what he said to the Philippians? He said, it has been granted unto you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in his name, but also to suffer for his sake. So that's, it's a gift that God gives us. He gives us the gift of suffering. You, our parents, know that you suffer for your children. That's redemptive. When you suffer for your kids, it's, it's redemptive suffering. Let me describe his first journey, his first missionary journey. He's in Iconium, and they chase him out. He, he flees so that he doesn't get stoned, and he arrives in Lystra, and he heals a cripple. And so they think he's a god, but he protests against that. So then they think he's a devil, and they stone him. And the Jews from Iconium come down and help and stone him. Then they drag him out of town and leave him for dead. Disciples come along, stand around him. He gets up, walks 60 miles to Derby and preaches there. Then he goes back to Lystra. The guy's fearless. He goes back to Lystra, back to Iconium, and then to Antioch. The guy's bold. He's fearless. Thank God for an apostle who was willing to go through the kinds of suffering. And this is what he said, that I may, tell me, know him, the power of his resurrection. That's, that's pretty good. And the fellowship. The word fellowship is koinonia. It's having things in common. What do I want to have in common with Jesus? Suffering. He's willing to go through suffering for the sake of other people. And no one that I know of went through more than he suffered. That I may know him. The fellowship of something. Becoming like him in his death. It wasn't a good death. I mean, it was, it was glorious death, but so much suffering. I may be like him. So that's Paul. A lot more, we could say. Peter. As I told you, Peter didn't get it at first, but when he got it, he sure got it. In Acts 5, Peter's coming out of having been beaten along with some of the other disciples, and he's rejoicing that they were able to suffer for Jesus. They're excited because they have just suffered for Jesus. When I hear people talking today about the apostolic, it doesn't include this kind of stuff. But this is central. It's not peripheral to the calling. It's central. When Peter talks about suffering in his letter, as a young man, I was traveling. I took a 14 months off, and I was traveling. And I was, I was just going through this letter of 1 Peter over and over again so I could memorize it because it talks so much about living the tough life. Paul uses the word suffer 12 times in 1 Peter. And Every time he uses the word glory, which is seven times, it's preceded by suffering. There is glory, but it comes after suffering. So Peter, once he got it, he got it. And his first letter 
he writes perverse more than anyone else about suffering. He talks about the passion of Christ in 1 Peter seven times. And then he says something that's a, a helpful thing to us. Don't be surprised. Right. You remember that scripture? Yeah. What does he say? Don't be surprised when the, when the fire trials come on you. Don't be surprised because we are sometimes. We think, what am I going through? Hey, did I do something wrong? Did I slip up? Did I disobey because I'm suffering? No, it may be simply the opposite because you're worthy to suffer for his sake. I know this isn't an easy message, and I'm still struggling even as I, as I give it because I don't want to... I don't want to trip you up by saying it's going to get a whole lot tougher, but I do want to prepare you for the potential in the days, weeks, months, years, decades ahead of suffering for Jesus. Because some people feel like if you suffer, you must have missed the mark, that, that something went wrong, that suffering is for the weak. No, suffering is for the strong. Christianity was embraced in the 4th century and the persecution stopped. So did the miracles. Does that say something to you? Wow. It evened out and it became okay to be a Christian and so it lost its, its, uh, its power. So do we, need, do we need pain? The short answer is yes. The fellowship of suffering. We need pain. I've heard descriptions of what it means to be apostle in these days. And if I were to write it now, having studied this, I would add for sure suffering. That suffering is a component for someone who wants to make a difference and be a spiritual leader. I don't buy the pleasure-pain principle that the more pleasure you have is because the less pain you experience. You put those together. When you have pain and you know how to walk through it, you got pleasure. So I want to I open this up now. And... Uh, if there are questions, comments, concerns, I want to, I'm, I'm going to pray with you because I know this is a heavy message, but I, I want you to respond to me now and share your thoughts. And if we could have the, the mic, would it be better if we, if we uh, how are we doing on time? If we close it down and, and uh, how, which, what's the best way to do it here? Nate, do you have an opinion? So, why don't we just have a couple minutes of, of feedback while we're, we're uh, I'm still preaching? And are there questions or comments that you want to share? I'll take the mic. I think the Lord has allowed us all to have different kinds of suffering. You know, here, uh, let's say in our own body of believers and our own Lydia house. And uh, so everyone has something that they've been going through. Uh, but I, 
did think of the 1040 window and the persecuted, persecuted Christians in other countries that don't have it as, as good as we do. And you alluded to that, that we need to be preparing, knowing that uh, we have to look to the Lord because we, we don't see and we have no idea really in our country right now, but we are preparing. And so thank you, Lord. Um, every day we look to you for strength. The Holy Spirit, we can't do it by ourselves, that's for sure. And Karen, where we find that kind of suffering, you know we also find? Strong apostolic witness. Powerful signs and wonders. Yes. It comes with the territory where there is that kind of suffering and people are enduring it. You're seeing miracles. We haven't seen those no. here yet. We haven't seen the kind of miracles that we pray for. I've expected it. I've expected to see more healing. But I think that is going to come as we bear, go the way of the cross and bear it in a new and a fresh way. I think we're going to see the release of the miraculous. And we'll and be hearing more stories from other countries like we already have from China, from Africa, those places where they're really needing the Lord. And we've, of course, known about um, Worm Brandt, how you know, he was jailed and he endured. Um, Pastor Brunson, who was in jail for, was it two years or so, and then went back uh, uh, just, just like the, you know, uh, the apostles. So bold. God's word. So bold. We have those Christians that are really fighting, fighting uh, the faith and uh, are such wonderful examples to mm -hmm. us. Cool. Anybody else? Paul? Just ask a quick question. So maybe, um, you know, I have my own thoughts, but I'm just curious if you can highlight some ways where you can embrace suffering because you know that's clear right but then how do you embrace it in in i don't want to say invite them but accept them receive the trials without getting taken out by them wow that's a very good question we I don't want to turn people into victims by saying, yeah, we have to suffer and it's really going to be hard and we're going to, we're, and, and you lose your joy, you lose your peace. Paul and Peter and Jesus lived above their circumstances. So they lived with constant joy. They were rejoicing in spite of what they were going through, not just because of it. They had joy in the Lord. They didn't have joy in their circumstances because they didn't need it, because they had joy coming from heaven. So repeat your question again, uh, Paul, so I'm sure, I, I'm sure I get it. Yeah, maybe just simple. How do you engage in the suffering without being taken out by it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Oh. Go ahead, Ruth. Um, I think uh, it's good to memorize the portions of scripture that are on suffering. Say from First Peter. Um, there's just a lot of them, and if you have them memorized, which somehow. When I was memorizing portions of scripture with my kids, 
because it was part of our homeschool day. Um, I got a, a few of those under my belt and then meditating on those. Okay. You know, it might be in the middle of the night or I, th I think it really uh, uh, builds your soul up in the middle of it to see this as normal and keeps helps you to keep your hope in God and helps you just cooperate with the process. And that's really good. Keep your hope in God, not in circumstances. I did end up memorizing 1 Peter, and I would say it, and I would stop at certain places, like 1, 1 Peter 4.1. Uh, uh, how, how does that start? Since, uh, now I can't even say it. Uh, since we have the... No. <coughs> No, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it. i just get started. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same thought. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. I'm a young adult as I'm learning this. Has ceased from sin. He who has suffering is so productive. It doesn't drag me down, Paul. It gives me good fruit. It gives me fruit that I'm victorious over sin. As a young adult, I wanted to be victorious because I saw so many friends who were falling. And, and Peter tells me, who knows, he's an apostle who knows, he who has suffered in the flesh ceases. It's one way to overcome sin is to give yourself willingly to suffering. Now, the danger is that you become a victim. Oh, woe is me. But if you're suffering in the cross, if you're identifying with Jesus in the cross and laying down your life, like John said, you lay down your life. You die to yourself and you lay down your life for other people. Then it's not a victimization. You're not looking to yourself. You're really looking to yeah, Jesus. And I found real strength in that. I, I found real hope that I can get victory over sin. And it's tough. But I'm going to do it. That's why I tell you people, it wouldn't be so easy if you didn't uh, think, it wouldn't be so hard if you didn't think it was so easy. I learned early that it's tough. Mm -hmm. And then it got easier. Well, also, uh, in the midst of uh, suffering, some of it can be physical, some of it can be emotional, mental. I mean, the, these are all darts coming from the enemy where it can, in the natural, weigh you down. That's, of course, in the natural. But in the spiritual, this is where I uh, will say, Lord, I, I, I can't, like, Naomi and I will be driving in the car and we'll start singing the Spirit, even though I don't really, uh, maybe sometimes I forget early enough, I want to do it a longer time as we're, you know, nearing home. And it's a powerful tool to bring peace and to bring the Lord's thoughts where maybe mentally, we can't remember that scripture, you know, that, that we've memorized in the past uh, and don't know how to pray exactly. Or we have the strong feelings in our heart and, and uh, it affects us, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Lord, this is no fun or this, I can't understand this. Okay, why does he command us in scripture to sing praise? It's a not only privilege, but it's a command. And what do we see how the apostles in prison, in the worst 
way, painful situation, and they praise the Lord. And what a, what a wonderful example, and I'm sure there are many in this day and age that we'll hear about, and some of you have heard about. And the suffering that they endured was not brought upon themselves. It was they endured because, like Paul was in the Philippian prison, I can't imagine being in prison, having been beaten, being in the back of the prison, being in stocks, and then worshiping. He had an outlook that was so heavenly in the midst of his suffering. I'm not there. I want to get there. When you get there, then you're, you're not going to make it. A, you're not, it's not going to take you out. It's going to bring God in. I think God said, I want to be where they are because they're singing hymns, having been beaten up and in stocks, and God comes down, rattles the prison, and the doors open. Now, the doors open. Why don't they go? Why don't all the prisoners go? Why didn't they leave? Somehow, Paul said, stay right where you are. You'll get out in a moment. You have to stay where you are. Because then the jailer is going to kill himself because he's lost it. And listen to what Paul says. Put your sword away. We are all here. We're all here. We didn't go. That's living by divine life. That's a miracle life. I'm not there. I want to get there. And when we get there, we, it will not be about ourselves, Paul. It will be about God. And we're going to see miracles. We're going to see healing. We're going to see lives set free. And that will bring us so much joy in the midst of the pain that we have. Not for ourselves. Not because I caught a cold. Not because I tripped. Not because I ran out of gas. Yeah. So in the heretical book of James right before 1 Peter, it, he says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. And at the, the, end, the end game of trials and joy in the midst of them is that it will be, make us complete. Lacking nothing. There we go. Yeah, we got a ways to go here. We're not, we're not there yet. Uh, any other questions before we're going to... Okay, yeah. It, it just brought to mind, the, this is a quote by C.S. Lewis. I think we've all heard it. Uh, Pain insists upon, upon being attended to. God whispers in our pleasures speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna close here. Any other thoughts before I close? We'll be walking together and we can share as God gives us insights into this. I, I want to get there, I'm not there, but you help me and I'll help you, okay? So that we can walk in a way that brings glory to the Lord, that in the midst of pain, we don't whine, but we thank God like Peter did for the privilege of suffering for Jesus. I want to, I want to be there and we can help each other. Thank you, Father, that we have examples in these apostles in your son and in Paul and Peter and many others, James and John, 
and others, the martyrs in the first three centuries, we thank you that they loved not their life even unto death. They loved you more than they loved life or death, so they, they couldn't be bought. And we want to be like them. I pray that you would increase our strength, increase our endurance. We want to endure. We want to live in a way that brings glory to your name. And we don't know. The days ahead may be peaceful or they may be rocky, but we're, we put our eyes on you and want to live in a way that brings glory to your holy name. And so the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm -hmm.